Thank you, Mr. Browse, and all of you for being here today in the Lord's house. It is our great privilege to be with you and to hear the word of God and to renew our fellowship with you here in this congregation. Glad to have my wife with me uh, on this day. We're in the midst of a long road trip, the main purpose of which is to attend the convention this week in Carlisle, which also uh, happens to be the place where I was born uh, many years ago now. And uh, so we're, we're looking forward to that and are grateful that we can be here in the Malvern congregation today as we prepare for the convention. Uh, I had already agreed to preach this morning, and then while one day while we were on the road, I got a call from your pastor uh, saying that he really needed to do some business with the church in Orlando, and would I agree to take on the evening service as well? I said, of course, I would be glad to do that. So this evening, we're going to have a message that deals with an aspect of the Reformation, since it is Reformation Month. Uh, we are also joining with you in remembering in prayer our dear brother, Pastor Hamilton, and his dear wife during this very deep trial through which they are passing. And we ask you to keep them very much in prayer. He was to be speaking at the convention this week, but has had to withdraw and your pastor has been kind enough to agree to speak in his place. So we're glad for that, but sorry that the Hamiltons are dealing with such a dire situation right now, and we want to certainly keep them before the Lord in prayer. I bring you greetings from our congregation in the Kansas City area, where I was able to preach three weeks ago today. Uh, greetings from Reverend Finout and the group of believers there. We had a good time there with them that day. And then the following Lord's Day, I preached for one of the churches that's affiliated to the American Council, Tipton Bible Church in Tipton, Iowa. I had never been there, always wanted to be there. And the Lord enabled us to be there on that day and to rejoice with the congregation including uh, the parents of the current pastor. Uh, his father was the pastor before him for 35 years, and they're still in the congregation there, quite elderly and frail now. But it was wonderful to renew fellowship with them on that occasion two weeks ago. And we rejoice to come here today. And I trust that the Lord will do his gracious work among us and will use his word to accomplish that work in our midst today. This is a very special congregation to me. Always wonderful to come back to this area of Pennsylvania uh, where there are so many memories for me in terms of my mother's family ancestors going back several generations who lived in this area and always glad to see the stone buildings again really love the stone buildings and glad to see them again 
as we traveled in, uh, we stayed uh, Thursday night in the Pittsburgh area and traveling in on Friday on the turnpike and then coming into this area, it was great to see the stone buildings again and it means so much to me. We're going to turn in God's word today to the second epistle of Peter. The second epistle of Peter, chapter 3. Second Peter, chapter 3. We're going to read beginning at verse 1, and we're going to take the time to read the entire chapter. Let us hear the word of the Lord. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were, from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, 
Look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things, before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. It is the word of the living God, and may the Lord add his blessing to the public reading of his infallible word for his name's sake. Our text is the 10th verse of the chapter. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Let us bow in prayer. Our gracious Father, through the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, we come again to thy throne. We have read thine infallible word. We have sung thy praise. Now we come to hear the message that thou hast ordained for this hour. In this place, we pray that not only those who are in attendance physically today, but those who will watch this message online, either live or in the future, we ask, O Lord, that thou wilt speak in power to every soul. O Lord, grant that thy spirit may fill me with his power to the very uttermost Grant the grace that is needed this day to proclaim the truth of the Scriptures and to exalt the Son of God. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The morning of June 30th, 1908 began as most others did for farmers in the region of Russia known as Siberia. 
taking advantage of the very long days just after the summer solstice, the farmers were out in their fields very early in the day. The sky was clear overhead, and with the very short growing season, the farmers had to make every hour of daylight count. Just after 7 a.m., the men who were working outside looked up into the sky to behold an amazing sight. An object in the shape of a cylinder was traveling very rapidly across the sky. It was glowing with a bluish-white light, and behind it was a tail that was fiery red. It headed north, where it disappeared over the horizon at 7.17 a.m. Almost instantly, the farmers saw what they called a pillar of fire rising quickly into the air and so high that it could be seen for hundreds of miles around. As soon as they saw the pillar of fire, they felt the ground under their feet shaking violently under the impact of a powerful explosion. The air echoed with sounds that went well beyond the typical thunderclaps that herald the arrival of a summer storm. A superheated wind spread across the Siberian landscape, charring everything in its path. Forty miles away, a man saw the blinding flash and covered his eyes. He felt himself being scorched and then was hurled through the air and rendered unconscious. Hundreds of miles away, the ground under the Trans-Siberian Railway heaved and nearly caused a train to derail. Over the site of the explosion, huge clouds of debris rose more than 10 miles into the atmosphere and then began to deposit what witnesses called black rain on the surrounding countryside. Those who reached the site of the blast found a few trees still standing, but they were stripped of every leaf and every branch. The vast majority of the trees had been knocked flat, all lying in the same direction in relation to the location of the explosion. In the aftermath, Trees that germinated in that summer of 1908 grew at two to three times the normal rate. Animals that survived the explosion developed curious blisters and scabs on their hides. So intense was the heat that the permafrost melted to such a depth that water long trapped beneath the surface of the ground erupted 
into multitudes of fountains. To this day, no one knows what caused those effects. Some speculated that a giant meteor crashed, but there was no crater to indicate such an impact. Others suggested that a comet entered the Earth's atmosphere, but observers around the world would have noticed such an event and would have been aware of it in advance. Around the world, seismographs detected the explosion, and those who saw the data knew that something very significant had occurred. But what they did not know. Not until after the atomic bombs exploded over Hiroshima and Nagasaki in August 1945 did the evidence make people think of the accounts of the 1908 explosion. Still, more than 114 years after the fact, no one has identified the cause of the blast. Whatever the cause, the explosion of June 30th, 1908, is a very small precursor of the event that our text today describes. For its suddenness and its devastation, the day of which our text speaks will make the events of June 30th, 1908, seem minor by comparison. This text speaks of the coming of a day when the march of the days and months and seasons and years and centuries and millennia will cease. It is a day that will cause the people of God to say that their God has come. It is a day that will make the neglectors and deniers of the truth tremble with terror. Those who scoff at the promise of the coming of this day now, and there are many, will not be able to escape its consequences then. The words of this text present us with the prospect of the day when God's patience and mercy to unbelievers will expire. Just as it was. In the day when the great flood came, of which we have read in this chapter, and took all the unbelievers away to judgment, so it will be on the day of which this text speaks. Because here we read of earth's shocking end. Yes, the earth is going to end. The certainty of this text is a trumpet blast against every scoffer and every skeptic. We read of the scoffers in this chapter. We read of those who say, where is the promise of his coming? He's not going to come. 
those people who claim to be looking for his coming, they don't know what they're talking about. It's a blast against them. It's a warning to every person who is trying to live in that nebulous ground of neither being for nor against Christ too strongly. Here is a message from one of the true fathers of the church that those who set aside the message of the gospel will have to encounter such a day. They will not be able to ignore the truth of divine revelation. But neither will they be able when that day comes to avail themselves of opportunity for rescue. It will be too late. There will be no warning of the day's arrival apart from the ongoing warnings of the scriptures that tell us now is the day of salvation. Those who have staked everything on that on what they have built and what they have possessed in this world will find no comfort in those things on the day of which we read in our text. And there are many who stake everything on those things. And perhaps there are some here today. Listen to the solemn message today. And don't waste another hour before you are ready in your soul for the coming of this day. There are three things we need to consider in this text. First of all, history's surprising end. Peter spoke here of the day of the Lord. Now there are students who have to study history. That's not a bad thing, by the way. But it will surprise them to learn that there will come a point when history will end. The day of the Lord was a familiar phrase to every person who was a Jew. Peter was a Jew, of course, and so were the people to whom he was writing. But here was the language of the prophets. So let us turn to the Old Testament and look, first of all, at Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 12. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. The day of the Lord of hosts. Let us turn into the section known as the Minor Prophets to the prophecy of Joel. The prophecy of Joel, chapter 3. And verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near, 
in the valley of decision. And then to the last of the minor prophets, Malachi. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And then there's a repetition of this theme in the prophetic literature of the New Testament. We find that in the epistle of Jude, chapter, uh, verse 6. Jude, verse 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. The great day. The day of the Lord. We've already seen in the chapter we read that Peter referred to that day in verse 7 of that chapter but the heavens and the earth which are now, that's what we see around us now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against what? The day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So the day of the Lord of which we read in our text is a day that is in the future. It is a day that God has decreed And I tell you today, it will not fail to occur. It is the day when our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will appear. Paul said in writing to the Thessalonians that Christ will come to take vengeance in flaming fire on those who have not obeyed the gospel and who know not God. But on that day, those who believe in Christ will not be terrified. They will admire their Savior. They will praise and magnify Him. We learn in the text that the day will arrive in an unexpected manner. Peter's language is that it will come as a thief in the night. And that was language that Peter heard from Christ himself. Turn back to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. And verse 42. Watch therefore, Jesus said, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Peter heard these words with his own ears. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up will come as a thief. Paul referred to the arrival of this day under the same figure. 
and that this reality was something that all the Lord's people know. But Paul also emphasized that the arrival of this day will not be a surprise to Christ's people. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. So the message is that the Lord's people will not be surprised because they will be watching. They will be ready. They will be looking. So the question of the text is, are you among those people who will not be surprised? Is it your expectation that the day of the Lord is going to come? Because it's going to come. And we learn in our text that when it comes, it will come with overwhelming noise. That's the second thing we find in our text. Judgment's grinding sound. Notice how Peter described that day. In that day the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. This expression occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. And, in fact, it's rare in non-biblical Greek literature. So, it is an expression that the Holy Spirit has used for a particular purpose. And normally I don't quote Greek words, but I want you to hear this one because... It carries its meaning in its sound. Roidzadon. Roidzadon. The great noise. Roidzadon. Sometimes it refers to the whizzing sound of a bird moving rapidly through the air. But on other occasions it refers to the roaring sound of thunder or fierce fire. If you have been near a lightning strike, you have heard something that should give you the sense of this great noise. When I was in high school, my family and I attended a small church in the countryside outside Washington, D.C. And one Thursday evening, we had our prayer meetings on Thursday evenings. One Thursday evening, I was sitting at the prayer meeting in the church building. Now, back in those days, speaking about the 1960s, there was no air conditioning in the building. And I can remember many summer evenings sitting there feeling that I was stuck to the wooden pew. It had no air conditioning, so the windows were all open. And just outside the window where I sat was a pole from which the electrical cable came to the building. 
And that evening, without any warning, a lightning bolt struck that pole no more than 15 or 20 feet from where I was with a sizzling pop. I heard the sizzle of the bolt. And instantaneously, there was an overwhelming clap of thunder that shook the building. Well, the noise of which Peter speaks is equal to the noise I heard times millions or billions. Those who fight forest fires, I realize that in Pennsylvania, you may not have too much experience with forest fires, but in the West, they are a common occurrence. And those who fight them and survive report that sometimes the fires roar like a blowtorch. They say that they can actually hear the sound of the fire burning through the brush and the timber. The deafening roar that accompanied that 1908 explosion in Siberia or the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens in the state of Washington will shrink against the noise with which the heavens will pass away. We set our clocks and our calendars by the heavens. But the heavens shall pass away. There will be no mistaking the arrival of that day. You may have heard recently of a rather expensive mission that NASA carried out to crash a space probe into an asteroid about 7 million miles from Earth. They succeeded in crashing the probe into the asteroid, and I read recently that they think they succeeded in altering the orbit of that asteroid in some fashion. But such a mission will not avail to turn aside the arrival of the day of the Lord. And if the Lord sends an asteroid to accomplish the details of this prophecy, no NASA probe will be able to stop it. So they will pass away with a great noise. You think of the loudest thing you've ever heard, and that will be nothing compared to this noise. And after the sound, we read of that for which God's word is preserving the earth that exists now. That's the third thing in the text. Destruction's fiery march. It will be a day of fire. Unlike anything in all of history. There was a volcanic eruption on an island in the Caribbean in 1902, there was a city of some 30,000 people living just a few miles away from the volcano 
which had not erupted for a long time. But within a few minutes, all of the people in that town were killed. They had been told there was nothing to be concerned about as the volcano rumbled, and then there was an unbelievably loud sound and a day of fire. We read here in our text that the elements themselves, the building blocks of the heavens and the earth that are now, will melt with the heat. This word for heat is the word for the heat that fever causes in the body. And we learn in our text that it will multiply many times over. It will spread over the entire creation. The earth and everything in it will meet destruction. I always think of this text whenever I hear the latest proclamation that we must find a way to save the earth. The earth will not be saved. Forest fires and other wildfires that, as I said, are common in the West leave destruction in their wake, and you can see the scars many times. But eventually those scars recover. Trees grow up. Turf grows up. But the fire of divine judgment will not leave room for any recovery. Everything on which sinners have spent their resources, all their efforts to save the earth, will vaporize in a flash. It's a day of cataclysm. But it is more than that. It is a day of vindication for all the Lord's people. The context that follows our text, provides for us the application of earth's shocking end for the people of God. What does Peter write in verse 11? Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Where should you place your value? Where should you place your confidence Peter is saying here, don't define your life in terms of the things you can do or amass because they will come to nothing. You define your life by holy conversation and godliness. So let your life, Peter was saying, be the demonstration of the person that you serve. The attitude of your heart should aspire to the coming of this day. Notice in verse 12, Peter said, looking for and hasting. There's an eagerness. There's a desire. There's an anticipation. When I was a college student, I had a roommate who was looking forward to getting married. And every time he heard a message about the coming of the Lord, he was a little disconcerted, conflicted. Because he didn't want the Lord to come before he got married. But you see, 
Peter is saying, you ought to be anxious for it to come. Verses 12 and 13 have nothing to do with politics or the accumulation of financial gain. Peter wrote in verse 13, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth. Yeah, there's the the true saving of the earth there. We're looking for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Here's the goal of every believer's life. Where are your desires? What are the things that give you the greatest pleasure? You imagine that the efforts to save the planet and achieve a zero carbon objective will prolong the existence of this world? The day of the Lord will come. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, prudence dictates that before that day comes, you care for what the Lord has given to you in terms of your health, in terms of your body, in terms of your possessions. But let us not confuse the gift with the giver. These things are for a short time. Earlier at the beginning of our journey Tuesday, we were leaving Kankakee, Illinois. We visited the graves of my wife's parents. And at the end of this week, we hope to visit the grave of my parents in Arlington National Cemetery. Something to think about those with whom you grew up those who seemed always to be there, that they're not here anymore. These things are for a short time. Our lives are for a short time. So heed the exhortation of the inspired apostle at the end of this chapter. Verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, So he's saying, I'm not telling you something you don't know. You already know these things. Beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked. That is, don't conduct yourself as thinking along those lines. Fall from your own steadfastness. But here is the message. Grow in grace. What's your response to the coming of the day of the Lord? Grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. At the end of it all, we come back to that central focus that is on Christ. The second psalm exhorts us to kiss the Son, to submit to the Son. Because those who submit to the Son find the reality of which we read at the end of the second psalm, blessed, happy are all they that put their trust in him. 
So let not the day of the Lord overtake you as a thief. If you're here without Christ, that day is coming. It's one day closer than it was yesterday. It's coming. One of these days, all the days will be over. It's coming. So, come to Christ today. Today. And if you are a believer in Christ, then live for him today and tomorrow. People tend to focus on all their failings of the past. Don't focus on those things. Focus on the coming of the day of the Lord and live for Christ today so that you will not be among those on the day of the Lord who will encounter the vaporization of all they have loved. Earth's shocking end. It's going to come. And I don't care what any politician has to say about it. It's going to come. This is the revelation of God. May God then give us grace today to look to the Lord's coming with expectation, anticipation, eagerness, because that day will be the vindication of all of Christ's people. Let us bow together in prayer. Before I pray, let me just say that if I can be of any help to you today in the things of God, please speak to me after the service is over. If you need to be saved, speak to me after the service is over. And we'll open the word of God together and point you to Christ. I cannot save you, but Christ can. May God give you grace to seek unto him today. Father in heaven, how we praise thee today for the mercy of the word. We thank thee for the attentiveness of thy people to the hearing of the word. Oh, how we pray that thou wilt write the word of God upon our hearts. Oh, Lord, we pray today that if there are any people here who do not have confidence that they will be among the Lord's people in the day of which we have read, that they will turn to Christ in faith today, turn away from sin, and rest in the sacrifice of Calvary. O Lord, bless thy people, we pray. Grant, O Lord, that as we come to the close of this service today, We will know the reality of thy presence with us, that thou wilt dismiss us with thy richest blessing, that thou wilt keep us each one in thy fear, and that thou wilt be the abiding portion of all thy blood-bought people. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.